on the air and streaming on the web since 1996. This is the Cinematic Sound Radio Network. Welcome back to Cinematic Sound Radio. This is the flagship show, and it's a special program as we have Patreon member Joe Wiles on the program today. He is uh, talking us through his most memorable themes in sports films, and you know he brought a, an interesting one with him right here. It's from the 1992 film Wind. Uh, it's about the, I think it's the, is it the America's Cup? Is that the... Yes. I think that's mm-hmm. what it is. Uh, sailboat. Races. <laughs> it's insane. Um, the score is by Basil Polidors. The film was directed by Carol Ballard, starring Matthew Modine and uh, Jennifer Grey. I haven't seen it myself, but I, again, doing some research, uh, I had to see a couple of clips. And the only thing I'm going to say right now, and I've said it throughout the show, authenticity in sports movies. But this is this is a crazy one because... This is real boats. This is real weather, real water. I mean, and these are not small boats. These are massive, massive boats. But the way that they they captured them, it felt real, again, authentic. And again, if you film that today, it would all be CGI boats. You just wouldn't have that feeling of being actually there. So, you know, having seen the clips, this is something I actually now want to see. So, when did you first experience the film? I think uh, like a lot of these um, not so box office breaking movies, I, I bumped into it in the middle of the night one time. You know, you wake up uh, and then, you know, I need something on to distract me from whatever. So I'll put a movie on and you roll over and you try to fall asleep. And the next thing you know, you keep rolling over to see, you know, what's going on in the movie. And I distinctly remember watching this movie in the middle of the night. You know, next thing I know, my feet are sweaty. I've been up for three hours and, and, and I'm looking to see when it's on again because I want to I want to see it again. Um, it's just it's 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 a it's a story we've heard before. Um, if I remember correctly, Matthew Medine um, was uh, on a on a on a crew team or, or a boating team. Excuse me. I don't know the terminology. Um, and I don't think things went really well. And I think he has a bad reputation in the sport. Um, and then he also uh has this idea in, in this uh, streamlining to build a, cer- a certain kind of boat and he convinces a, a team to eventually build the boat and there's a love story there and whatever and and then he gets on the team and, and then they're successful again a real uh, quick way of th- describing the movie uh, it's been a while since i've seen it uh, i wanted something nautical i've always remembered this movie jennifer gray was probably right out of um let's see 92 so yeah we're just off of uh, dirty dancing with her um, it's a love story, but uh, you you end up rooting for him. It's Days of Thunder in the water. Uh, it's like you said, it's shot. It's real. It's it's shot with with real boats, um, it, it, with the technology we had in the early '90s. Uh, it's a great story. Not uh, nothing like I said we haven't already seen before, but uh, it's just a neat perspective, and and you know you end up rooting for him, and it's a great movie. It's an interesting score, also by uh, Basil Polidorus, and he really goes into his uh, collection of electronics uh, for this, and and brings in also a, a pretty hefty um, ensemble of, of brass as well. Um, tell me a little bit about the cue that you brought with us, which is called uh, "Winning," and I'm I think this is near the end of the movie. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if this movie has an anthem or if it has a theme. Um, it's this one, this is the, the triumphant, this is the quote unquote last pitch, um, you know, or the final out or whatever. Uh, but, uh, I like his 
ability to paint the picture from a nautical point of view. You can smell the water. Um, you can hear you can hear the, the pace. You can hear the speed and the music. You understand what's going on. It's believable. It's nautical. It's not too nautical. There, there's, there's, you know, no harmonicas or anything or any, you know, there's no uh, sea chanties. But you, you know where you're at, and you know, um, yeah, just by the by the the, the pieces of the, the instruments that he chooses, um, where we're at, what we're trying to do, and it's very believable. It's not over the top, but there, there is a, a an anthem to it. Yeah, and what I the, the sense that I get from the score and from what I've seen. Um, you know, it's it's creating this triumphant atmosphere as well, or this exciting atmosphere. This sport is is quite exciting if you're 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 involved in it. And I I know a couple of people that that have sailed and, and participated in I guess sailing competitions. It's it's pretty crazy. Um, but it also really uh, brings home this the the sense of uh, danger as well. It is. I mean, just watching this, and I and I've seen some of this in, in the Olympics. It's just absolutely nuts how dangerous this sport is. I mean, these boats are huge, and and how far how close they are to each other. You know, racing up and down the water, and I mean, it, just one wrong move, and you're in the water, you're crashing through a boat. And I I think Polydorus does a fantastic job, um, really commentating on this film at how just absolutely dangerous this competition is. Yeah, you, you definitely get a sense of danger. Um, you know, these things are gentle giants. There's definitely weight to his music. Um, it, it's all uh, it's all uh, projected very, very well. So here now is music from the 1992 film Wind. This is the track Winning with original score composed by Basil Polidorus.
up next is music from a film that is a, a, a personal favorite of mine called The Karate Kid, released in 1984. Uh, and it's, it's, it's come back um, with uh, the television show Cobra Kai, which I didn't think was uh, going to succeed at all, but I find it to be absolutely fantastic. And the major stars are back with the exception of Pat Morita, um, who uh, sadly passed away, but he played Mr. Miyagi. And in this film, got an Academy Award nomination for his performance. Uh, the film also stars Ralph Macchio and uh, one of the biggest crushes I ever had in the 1980s, Elizabeth Shue. Um, so, but this film, I mean, to me, this was me. This is me in in like elementary school or high school. Uh, not so much getting bullied, but I was just this tall, well, not so tall, but I mean, I was just this skinny kid who, uh, you know, just, just kind of uh, didn't think he was going to, do anything or live up to anything and just felt kind of out of place. Um, I didn't meet a Mr. Miyagi, but I just kind of felt like I, I understood uh, uh, Ralph Macchio. I moved a lot, so I could understand moving from you know your home and going somewhere else. And uh, the original score for the film was composed by Bill Conti. This is a, another classic. And, uh, and, and, you know, the sequel, absolutely love Karate Kid. Uh, part two. And again, that's another personal film for me as well. So tell me about uh, your experience with uh, the Karate Kid. Uh, you know, when I sit down and I thought to myself, I have a great idea. Let's do sports movies. And I, off the top of my head, wrote four or five or six movies that I thought I'd like to feature. And then I went and kind of checked my work and I, I Googled us. It was, you know, the top most memorable film music from sports movies. And, you know, the, the, the six they picked were the six they picked. And I was thinking to myself, I want a little something better for your show, Eric. I want to bring <laughs> something to the table, you know. So but I, but my list was genuine. But I was like, oh, crud, here we go. So, you know, Karate Kid, like you said, I think you and I um, are, are probably really close in age. Um, the, the thing that comes to mind when you're when you're telling your story about this in this movie and, and how it uh, affected you and how it re you related to it is we're at that age and at that time in our life. Where we're just trying to figure it out. Mm -hmm. We're just trying to hold on for dear life and save face and trying to figure it out. Um, my mom took me to go see this movie. Her and I, her and I were movie buddies for the longest time. Uh, and, and it, you know, you came back from this movie and you wanted to learn karate. You know, that was just like you watched Footloose and you came home and you wanted to learn to dance. And when you saw Karate Kid, you came home and you wanted to learn karate. It's just how it was. Um, and then the music always stuck with me. And, and I always was a big, big fan of, of the movie. It just uh, all around. And you're not alone with Lizzie Shue. She's she's a doll baby and uh, always had a special place <laughs> in my heart as well. I mean, The Adventures of Babysitting, that whole opening sequence, man... Man, I just melted, melted seeing that. Um, I, I want to go back to, to something you just uh, quickly mentioned where you said you and your mom, I mean, we talked about your relationship with your father, but you, you and your mother, you said you were movie buddies. So how did that come about? Um, so my parents divorced when I was, was very young um, and we didn't have a lot of money. My mom worked uh, a very uh, tiring job and, and we didn't ha necessarily have a car um, so we walked a lot of places and she walked to work and I walked to school and there was a, a two screen movie theater um, within walking distance of where our apartment was. And um, I, I was becoming a big Star Wars fan and we saw all the Star Wars movies and and whatnot. And, and whenever something was playing in that little that little two screen theater, um, a lot of times we would go to see movies that we really didn't care about and end up falling in love with it. It was just what I said before. It was escapism. Movies were escapism for me. Yeah, my regular life wasn't horrible, but it wasn't all that great either. So if I can escape for two hours and, and just be someplace else with, with somebody else, 
Uh, my mom and I, you know, we were we were always movie buddies. We were music buddies, and and we still are. And and it just it was a, it was a time and place in my life where, uh, like I said, it wasn't the greatest, but we 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 worked with what we had, and and it worked out great. And it's the, the memories that I'll never ever forget. That's fantastic. Yeah, because I mean, one of the biggest memories I have with with my mom, and I've mentioned it before. I mean, she's the one that introduced me to to Raiders of the Lost Ark, and. Everybody out there knows how much I love that film and, and I love that score. So do you have a, a, a one distinct memory or moment of, of seeing a, a movie that just kind of hits you, you know, with your with your mother? Good stuff. Nothing, nothing, you know, nothing that really um, she took me to go see Kramer versus Kramer when I was way too young to really get what was going on. <laughs> uh, and then she then she made me go see um, Without a Trace. And it was the first movie that I ever cried in. And the movie is over. The lights come up and people are getting up and I'm just got my head in my lap. And I'm like, I'm not leaving quite yet. I'm still trying to get my crap together. Um, you know, so it, it just just fun stuff. She I remember we saw Raiders of the Lost Ark probably four times in the movie theater. Wow. Um, we didn't have money. To, we didn't have money to see it once, but we figured out how to go see it four times. And she would tap me on my knee when it was getting close to the melting faces part because mm. I would hightail it out of there. Um, but I remember just having that relationship and, and having that bond um, through, you know, through the Star Wars movies and th- and through the Indiana Jones movies. And that's a relationship that I have with my family and, and my son and my wife now. And we're big movie people. We're big Marvel movie people. We're obviously big Star Wars movie people. We go to the movies to escape. We want to see a spectacle on, on the screen. We want to see something big. We want to see it loud. And, and um, you know, if it's a Marvel movie, I guarantee you we're probably there opening night. And, and it's, it's, it's an event. It's a no-brainer for us. It's something we look forward to. I, I really hope everybody has that kind of experience uh, one way or another. I know we're kind of skipping over the Karate Kid here, but I'm I'm still very interested in this. And and now going back, no, we're now going forward, and and you are experiencing movies with with your children. Uh, how old are they, if you don't mind? Yeah, my my son is fourteen. I just have one. He, he's, oh, just he's one. Boy. Okay, he's fourteen years old. Um, he's he's identical to me, and he's a lot smarter. So I basically say to society, best of luck, um, because uh, he's <laughs> academic. And, and he can figure it out a lot quicker than I am, and, and he's better <laughs> at it. And, uh, you know, he's a smart kid. And, uh, yeah, so he's society's problem at this point. And uh, we're, we're, all better, uh, we're all a better world because of him. So I look forward to – he's got the sarcasm, but he knows how to land it. The kid's got uh, comedy timing that it took me 20 years and four seasons of, uh, of, of whatever Robin Williams and Billy Crystal were doing at the time. <laughs> Um, to, to get through and it took me seven seasons of SNL to even get close to the comedy chops that that kid has right now. So uh, I couldn't be prouder and, and, and frightened all at the same time. Yeah. That reminds me of kids as well. Uh, do you have a, a particular memory? Like I, I always say that, the, I mean, one of the greatest things about having children is, is watching your favorite movies through their eyes for the very first time. So do you have that one moment with your son where you're watching something for the first time and you're not watching the movie you're just watching his reaction well let me tell you a different story from the question you asked me and then i'll, I'll answer your question so he, he was kind of young and I, I i would say kindergarten first grade now this was the first marvel movie him and i were going to go see on opening night so i'm going it was it was age of ultron and, you know, he was a Marvel fan. I was a Star Wars fan. He stayed away from Star Wars for the longest time because he just couldn't compete with me and whatever. But he's, he's come around since and he can and take me to school backwards and forwards from a galaxy far, far away. That's for sure. Anyhow, um, so we're going to go see Age of Ultron. I'm going to pick him up at school um, 
So I go wait in line with all the other parents, and I go pick him up. And there's something a little off. He comes out. You know, they, they call his name. He comes out, and we're walking, and he's walking in front of me, Eric. And I'm like, that's strange. I thought he'd be a little bit more excited about this. And as we're walking to the car, I'm starting to figure out a little bit what's going on. His name is CJ. CJ, how was your day? Good. And he keeps walking. And then I ask the question. When you're being disciplined, he's a great kid. He's a smart kid. He can, he can control himself. He had a substitute teacher that day that he didn't necessarily see eye to eye with. And now I think it was first grade, but it could have very well been kindergarten. And when you get put on a color because you're acting up, so you start all green, now all you're on yellow, and then you go to the DEFCON red. My son was never on red. He, he skated by a couple of yellows because, you know, he's inquisitive. So I stopped, I stopped in, the drive, in, the, in the parking lot, and there's parents and there's teachers, and they're, you know, there's kids coming and going, and it's Friday, and, you know, it's a lot of hustle and bustle. Color were you on, Chet? And he stops dead in his tracks, and he turns around, he looks at me, and he's got tears in his eyes, and he goes, please don't yell at me. <laughs> so so I, I, we get to the car, and I'm looking at him in the rearview mirror, and he's just bawling. And I said, what color were you on? He goes, red. And now, here's the part in my fatherhoodness that, you know, the quandary. I want to see the movie, Eric, but I can't, you know, set the wrong example. So what do I do? I call, I call a friend. I call mom. So I explained to him what's going on, and I said, listen, your son, not my son, your son was on red today. I want to see this stupid movie. And he's back, and he's, you know, CJ is contemplating getting out of town or whatever, you know. And, and you know, she's like, listen, you know, there's got to be a story to this. It's fine. So the moral of the story is him and I went to the movies, and, you know, and we had a great time. But the, 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 the fact that the, the, the drama of getting there, the first time I was picking up at school to go see a movie after school, and, and whatever, and you know, it, we, we, he kind of loosened up, and, and we had a great time and, and enjoyed the movie. But that's that's my taking my son to to a movie when it was just you know dad and and and, and him, uh, and, and and the drama of it. So, so uh, getting back to the the question, so was there ever a film like you know Star Wars for me for for my son was you know him figuring out that Darth Vader was you know, Luke's dad and him turning around and literally saying to me, really? And of course I couldn't ask him because we then had to watch Return of the Jedi. Um, but was there ever that kind of like wow moment that you were just waiting for having shown him one of your favorite movies? I'm trying to think. I, 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 nothing really comes to mind. I hate to be anticlimactic. You know, there wasn't anything that was just, you know, pressing. It was, he was always better off doing things his own way in his own time. So, yes, we would watch Star Wars movies. And, um, you know, for example, you know, it's not really answering your question, but, he, you know, I came out in the living room over the Thanksgiving break and, and he's watching. They had a Back to the Future marathon on and I had thought he went downstairs and, you know, went to his best friend, the Xbox or whatever. And, and he's sitting there and he's got his mouth open. He's just watching Back to the Future. And I said, and I, I said, you like this? And he's like, yeah. I said, well, there's two more after this. And his eyes got really big and. <laughs> You know, 14 years old, and I'm getting him I'm sucked in by a movie from 1985. I'm going to give this kid a couple bucks for his time. So, I mean, was there ever a time where it just was a jaw drop? No, but it was fun watching him figure out the things that I really enjoyed and him coming to them, in it, in it, in it, not because I made him watch them, but it was an honest to goodness, his decision, and he was getting it. And there's a lot of things that he watches that I wouldn't give the time of day to, but he'll stop and explain it to me, and then we'll watch it together. We watch the Marvel TV shows, and you know, we watch the, the Star Wars TV shows, and, and all the stuff on Disney+. Plus, and, and that's important to us. When he gets home from school, we're watching it, and, and we watch it together. 
That's fantastic. Those, those, those bonding moments. That's great. Well, I mean, and, and it's interesting because you, um, you know, you're talking about your, even your, your relationship with your, your mother and, and, and here we have a film that, um, that talks about that. Um, I mean, Daniel doesn't necessarily have the best relationship with, um, his mom here, but then he finds a relationship with a father figure in, in Pat Morita's character of, of Mr. Miyagi. Um, Bill Conti's score is, it's not huge. It's not a huge score. Um, it's, it's minimal, um, not minimalistic, but minimal, um, not very long. Um, but it really captures, um, the drama. The thing that I like about it is that I think if you made this as a, a contemporary film, although they did try it with, um, Will Smith's son and James Horner just crafted this incredible, huge score for it. But I mean, you, you would think that you'd have something more, uh, modern in, in the, in the music. But I always felt that when I saw these films that probably should have had a sound like that, but then all of a sudden you're hearing these exotic instruments or even just an orchestra. I always felt that when I was watching these films as a kid, that when I heard stuff like that, that I really had to take this movie seriously, or at least the filmmakers took these films seriously because they were using orchestral score. I, I had the same feeling with Back to the Future. You know, the moment I hear a big symphony orchestra in a film of that sort, I'm like, oh, wait a minute. That's not what I was expecting. And then, you know, I, I find myself paying attention more to to these movies and feeling that they're having a, a bigger impact. But uh, tell us about the score and then about the track that uh, that you brought along. Yeah, it, it's not an overpowering piece of music. It's definitely um, looking back on it and enjoying it again um, with, with the the most recent uh, re-releases and, and remastered. So it's a it's it's definitely a, a piece of music from its time. Um, it makes no excuses for that. It, it you definitely get an idea of, of what's going on um, at, during that time in in the eighties, uh, and and it's nostalgic for me, and that's why why I enjoy it because it reminds me of, of, a, of a time and place like like a lot of music does. The piece of music that I picked today was called Training Hard. And uh, man, it's a, it's a, to me, it's a gut punch. It's a journey piece. Um, it starts off in the, in, in the scene where um, Mr. Miyagi, uh, Daniel LaRusso, uh, comes to see Mr. Miyagi uh, like he's done numerous times. And he finds Mr. Miyagi uh, kind of uh, had a little bit too much to drink that night. And he puts him to bed and, and he gets him to sleep. And, and, and as, he, as he gets him to sleep and gets him in bed, uh, he's he's reading the newspaper clippings on the walls, and he's starting to understand the history that this guy's come from, the drama, the war, um, the 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 love of his life that he doesn't get to spend time with because of that, uh, and he starts to understand. And then Daniel stops being the student; he starts becoming the teacher, and and he goes. Then the next scene is him going and training himself. He takes it upon himself. Now it's a personal journey. Now he's not doing it. To, to beat the bullies, he's doing it for Mr. Miyagi, he's doing it for himself. And and that's the transformation of the movie. And, and this piece of music with the pan flute, um, it, it's just gorgeous. And if you can't um, hear this music, and you, you, you can't not visualize him um, standing on the boat and, and doing the, 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 the crane kicks or, or whatever. It's not a long piece of music, but boy, does it tell a story. Absolutely. Yeah, well said. Couldn't have said it better myself. This is a brilliant, brilliant cue. From the pen of Bill Conti. The track's called Training Hard for the 1984 classic, The Karate Kid.
very best music for film, TV and video games, this is the Cinematic Sound Radio Network. Welcome back to Cinematic Sound Radio. This is the flagship show. My name is Eric Woods, and our guest today is one of our major Patreon members, Joe Wiles. He has brought along with him memorable themes from sports films. We're having a wonderful conversation here. And our next selection comes from uh, one of the great football films, Remember the Titans, which was produced by Jerry Bruckheimer stars Denzel Washington, but also contains what is probably one of the most iconic uh, sports scores ever composed, written by Trevor Rabin. And what is sad about the whole soundtrack situation is that we only have commercially that one suite off of the soundtrack album. And there was a promo released, thank goodness, which contains a lot more of the score, and it really just fleshes it all out. And and Trevor Rabin really knocked this one um, out of the ballpark. So tell us why you brought music from Remember the Titans. We're going to go on a long journey uh, uh, and, and uh, to get to a certain point, and, and bear with me because it'll, it'll make sense in the long run. I don't know this movie very well, but I'm going to tell you why this piece of music is is relatively important to me. Because I heard this piece of music numerous times in numerous things, and I didn't know where it was from. And then I had to go investigate where it was from. I was familiar with the movie. I've seen the movie, but I don't remember that piece of music during the movie. Um, Whether it be award ceremonies at sporting events, whether it be political campaigning, regardless this or or trailers, um, movie trailers that needed some temp music uh, to 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 tell a story. I've always been fond of movie trailers, Eric, uh, whether it be because I have, uh, uh, you know, a, a, a small de- uh, attention. De- de- you know, I, 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 I like little things and little, little, <laughs> little bites. You know, I, I get bored quick. And, and there was a moment that I had a revelation one time. And now bear with me. I'm watching a trailer for a movie called Saving Private Ryan. Mm-hmm. There is a piece of music in a certain trailer. In, in that move for that movie and I saw the movie Save a Private Ryan and that music wasn't in it and I was confused and this is you know I guess the internet's there you know it wasn't the tool it is today mm-hmm. um, but I, I had to do some 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 digging in and come to find out this piece of music wasn't from Save a Private Ryan it was from uh, American President mm-hmm. Now, I have come to since love American President because I had to go figure out where that music was from, from Save a Private Ryan. So I came in. Yeah. So, so I came into this piece of music from from uh, Remember the Titans because I heard it someplace else. Can't necessarily tell you exactly where I heard it from. You know, I, I knew Rudy very well. I knew the music from Rudy very well. And I also saw the trailer for Goodwill Hunting numerous times. And never put two and two together that the, the original trailer for Goodwill Hunting had the music from Rudy in it. Right. You know, it, 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 I, I was fascinated by that they can do that and they can do it so well that I don't even notice. So yeah, this yeah. piece of music, yeah, this, yeah, this piece of music from Remember the Titans, um, it's a great movie. I don't necessarily have a, a, a big uh, emotional attachment to it. However, I'm emotionally attached to this piece of music because of what they can do with it in, in, in other places um, that I've bumped into that very similar thing, um, you know, through my uh, fandom. Yeah, I, and I and I know I was complaining about you know 
only having this one track, but man, the suite they put together is it contains all the, the really the best music from the score, and it's just a fantastic um, uh, suite that's available on the the commercial album. But it's interesting, yeah. You, you bring up trailer music, and I mean, we were coming, I think, to the end um, at that time of of you know film scores from other scores being used in in films or uh, film trailers. I mean, it was prevalent in the eighties and, and in the nineties and sometimes in the eighties, you'd actually hear a piece of music from the actual score itself. But I mean, we all know about the, the classic cues that um, just played constantly in trailers, whether it's uh, music from uh, Robert Folk's uh, toy soldiers or the, the classic bishops countdown from, from aliens. Um, you know, there's, there was so many, recognizable tracks that came out of film music, but they are recognizable because they belong to another film's trailer, which is so crazy. So that's why, I mean, this story of you, of you uh, coming to this score and, and realizing that it came from something else and not essentially remembering the Titans, I find is a, a very, very unique experience. And I'm not sure, I'm sure you know, other people have experienced that before. Cause I mean, you hear it all the time where it's like, how come this piece of music wasn't in the, the actual movie? Well, I mean, that piece of music actually belongs to some other film and, and people are rather confused, but it's, it'd be interesting to hear more stories. I mean, man, I, we should talk about that somewhere on Facebook or Twitter or put a poll out. Just, I would love to know how many other people came to a particular film score because it was used in another film um, that didn't actually relate to, or whether it, you know, came from a trailer um, but yeah, it's, it's, and also it's, it's use in, in sporting events. I mean, it's all over mm-hmm. the place. Uh, it's amazing yeah, I mean, how iconic it is. Yeah. It, it's, it's a perfect piece of music. I mean, it, 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 it like all sports music, it's a journey. It, it's, it's uh sacrifice. It's hard work and, and all these, all these things uh, you feel and, and you can sense, uh, and, and even it, it's, it's a short piece of music and, and, but it does, it does the job. So we have a a treat for you um, because this is uh, music from the Remember the Titans promotional album. I'm not sure whether this was an FYC album or actually it was a promo. But anyway, um, this is called Virginia, a very, very short cue from I think it's a classic score. I really do. It's a modern day classic written by uh, Trevor Rabin from the 2000 film. Remember the Titans.
Up next, we're going to talk about another classic sports film. Um, maybe my favorite sports movie of all time. I, I caught this on television on a on a rainy Sunday afternoon, not knowing what it was, and it just uh, captured me, and, and so did Jerry Goldsmith's uh, brilliant, brilliant score. Uh, Rudy was directed by David Ansbaugh, who also directed Hoosiers. Uh, Jerry Goldsmith also wrote the music for Hoosiers and uh, tells uh, the true tale of Rudy Rudiger, who was a, a walk-on um, to play for the Notre Dame Fighting Irish a football team and Rudy is uh, brilliantly portrayed by Sean Austin, who in my opinion should have got some award recognition for his uh, performance uh, in this movie. And there are so many brilliant, uh, brilliant scenes and, and one that I always constantly go to just because it's a wonderful mix of, of music and, and visuals is the, the, the first training sequence when Rudy finally makes the team and just, like I said, you can you could almost feel and and smell the the morning dew on the grass and and them just kicking the crap out of each other on on the training field and and Goldsmith is just pouring it on. But with um, I think it's a rather simple score, nothing overly complicated, but it just packs one of the biggest emotional punches I have ever felt in a film score. So tell everybody why you brought Rudy onto the show. Well, I'm going to be honest with you right off the bat. I am not a Notre Dame fan at anything. <laughs> <laughs> but when you say, when you describe this music as being simplistic, that to me, I agree with you. It's holy. It's very simple. Mm. It doesn't need to um, overplay itself. It's classic. It's light. It's innocence. Uh, and you know, like the, the the piece of music you were describing earlier, I believe that's called tryouts. Yes. Um. You you can see the 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 mist on the ground in, in the morning. You can you know what it smells like. You can feel that it's cold. The sun is warm, but the the air is cold. You can feel all of that. Um. It, it's a it's a great score. I tried to spread out my cliche um sports movies a, a little bit, so we're bombarded. Uh, I like to think it's almost like a Hoosiers 2.0, where mm -hmm. they, they all kind of figured themselves out a little bit, and 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 had opportunity to uh, a Goldsmith had an opportunity to hit the sports movie up again. Uh, but I really honestly think that you know coming from Notre Dame, it's pure, it's holy, um, it, it, it's a it's a cathedral too many and too most, and I respect that. I, I you know, but I don't uh, I don't celebrate it. Uh, and that's only because uh, of, of, of the college sports team, not because I have any problem with Notre Dame itself. <laughs> um, nevertheless, because, you know, it, it can't hurt to, you know, to try. Um, but <laughs> this piece of music that I chose um, is, is a very memorable and, and quote unquote gut punch uh, moment for me. And I believe I have it right because I listened to it a couple of times and I was having problems figuring out finding the piece of music from the scene that I wanted. But I do believe this piece of music uh, it's called A Start, and it is uh, a little bit into this piece of music. Um, Rudy finally gets the letter accepting him into Notre Dame where he can begin his journey and, quote-unquote, get a start um, to getting himself on the team and getting on the field someday. Uh, it's it's a rewarding. Uh, again, it, it doesn't necessarily... Uh, spend a lot of time talking about the journey. I think to me though, it's the innocence, it's the self pride, it's the reward. It's the, it's the sacrifices that he made uh, in his love life and his family life. He's not respected by his father at all. I totally forgot. I've seen the movie a hundred times, totally forgot that his father was, uh, 
Um, I'm sorry. Now the name's is, is slipping me. It's uh, he just passed away recently. Oh, Ned Beatty. Ned Beatty. Yes. Yeah. You know, it, it, it wasn't until I was watching a montage of of his movies after his passing. I was like, I I seen Rudy a million times. I forgot all about the fact um, that, that that was Ned Beatty. Um, he does a wonderful job. He plays mm-hmm. the person he's supposed to be at that time in that life. Yes. If your son, who's a quasi half decent student, says he wants to go play football for Notre Dame, and he's the size that Rudy was, he, there, you can't blame him for treating him the way that he treated him. That's right. Um, but he, you know, Rudy's mission in, in for no, to go to Notre Dame and play football, it was mostly for himself, but it was also for his father too. And mm-hmm. uh, a great story, great true story, wonderful piece of music, and and I'm I'm, I'm very happy to be able to play it tonight. Yeah, and 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 as much as um, I mean, a lot of it is, uh, I mean, there's some great just rousing, rousing cues. And I said that the tryout uh, sequence, uh, the 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 thunderous drums that Goldsmith employs, you know, matching the tackles and the the, the bashing of pads. But you, it's it's interesting you talk about that that moment of 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 seeing that you know the the morning dew and and how that starts. It's it's a very simple orchestration, but it's just this little fluttering flute that, you know, signals exactly what you see there that 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 morning. And then it turns violent. <laughs> but I mean, when you were disca- when you were describing that, all I heard that flute and I mean, I had goosebumps all over my arms. And that's just an incredible. Um, I mean, incredible description of the scene, but also just hearing Goldsmith's music while you were talking about it. It's, it's such an impactful impactful score and it's again there's not a lot of it in in the movie so you know when it comes in it really is saying something special and, and it, again like i said it's not only during the big bombastic moments where you know rudy is is bringing the team out onto the field or during that absolutely fantastic final game but it's it's some of the the, the quieter intimate personal moments that goldsmith also captures uh, perfectly uh, with his score and he does that so well uh, uh, with this cue, and it's and I mean, you know it's too bad that he never got to um, but Jerry Goldsmith never got a chance to work on that soccer film for David Anspow. I'd be really interested to hear you know the them teaming up again and, and finishing the trilogy mm-hmm. of sports scores. Absolutely, the evolution would have been great. Oh, uh, would have been fantastic. I mean, William Ross still did a uh, a sure. commendable job, but yeah, it wasn't it wasn't Goldsmith. But anyway, uh, here is music from uh, the classic score by Jerry Goldsmith. Rudy, this is the cue a start.
We're now moving on to uh, an interesting choice, uh, a film I've only seen once, but I, I actually rather liked it, even though some of it's a bit mean spirited. Um, but I guess that's just the character Kevin Costner was playing. Um, but it's from the, the golf film uh, Tin Cup, directed by Ron Shelton. And uh, Rene Russo also uh, co-stars in the movie. And I remember really liking the film. I also really liked the 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 the, the U.S. Um, open moments. Again, authenticity. It actually felt like these guys could actually play golf. It was actually shot on, you know, real golf course and they're taking real swings. And uh, it, that's what I like about my my the good sports movies. Um, and we could talk about all the bad hockey movies because there's only a few that actually feel authentic. But you didn't bring any hockey uh, hockey scores, so um, <laughs> we, let, let, let me let, we, let me tell you my let me tell you my hockey story real okay. quick. I, I I love the movie uh, Young Blood with Rob Lowe. Yeah, it, it is. I love the movie. I love listening to Rob Lowe's podcast, and I love every once in a while he'll drop a little uh, Young Blood knowledge, and I just eat it up. Uh, there's not a lot of great music in Youngblood. I tried. I found right. it on YouTube. I, 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 you know, it's on, it's on vinyl. I don't even think it's on CD. Um, but I really tried, and I'm not that familiar with Slapshot. Uh, Miracle yeah, would have been great, good. but I don't yes. have a lot of, uh, uh, I don't have a lot of uh, personal, uh, uh, you know, uh, personal with, with, with Miracle. Uh, but great score though. Yeah, there's. Um, I mean, I know we're going off a tangent here, but um, I mean, there's only. I mean, for anybody that's going to watch hockey movies, I mean, it's the Mighty Ducks films you've got to stay away from because they are just awful um they don't treat the game properly at all and i know it's supposed to be like that but man however the scores are great uh you know david newman and then uh jc redford uh did the third one and uh, you know really really good scores miracle's fantastic uh mark isham's music from it is is really really good and i think that uh, when i talk about those authentic sports films i think miracle got it right um it's one of the rare ones that i feel like oh yeah that's ex- i i know exactly how these guys felt you know, when you were dogging it out on the ice, um, you know, your coach was going to skate you and skate you hard. And I felt that those moments and and the hockey was good. Um, it didn't feel phony. And there's another one, uh, a Canadian film uh, called The Rocket um, about uh, uh, Rocket Richard. And it is about as authentic as you're going to get. And, you know, old timey hockey. It felt like they were shooting in these old uh, barns and and, you know, the the old skates, the old. Um, you know, actual sweaters and 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 no helmets and uh, just the worst sticks and pucks and ice surface you can ever get. That is a great, great movie uh, for hockey. And then there's a fantastic documentary on the Red Army and their dominance of of hockey um, throughout the generations. And uh, so, yeah, but there aren't a lot of great, great, great hockey hockey movies. You out know, there, it, 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 it totally slipped my mind. But if I had to throw an alternate on the list, I, I, I don't remember that any specific specific piece of music, but uh, mystery Alaska was a great movie. Oh, it's yes. one of those movies that I, I can watch yes. that, you know, it could be halfway through it and I can pick it up and watch it and just yeah. finish it through. That uh, is great underrated. Movie and yeah. 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 Who, uh, and who scored that? I, I don't know. Was I it? just, but I, I, was it Carter Burwell? And it hasn't been released, but I really want. Yeah, Carter Burwell, Burwell wrote it. You're right. It is, it is an underrated movie, and I've only seen it once, and I probably should see it, see it again. Uh, but let's get on to to golf and back to Tin Cup. Uh, William Ross wrote this rousing score for it. Well, I mean, a score I never thought that I would hear in a film of this sort. And you brought along. Um, uh, one of the most rousing cues I think I have ever heard in a sports film. So 
Uh, tell us about it. And you have actually some history with this album that it comes from. Yeah, a little bit. Um, my wife, when we were dating, um, this movie uh, was out on, on on videotape. So I'm dating myself again, which I don't care. It's fine. Um, but she had the videotape and, and we watched it. And she actually had the the, the, the soundtrack with the popular music uh, CD in her car at the time, too. So we listened to it quite often and road trips or whatever. And, and I was familiar with the movie, but take it from me that she shares this wonderful movie with me and I take the score from it. Um, it, it wasn't until a uh, year, uh, actually, uh, before I even met her, uh, I did have a run-in with this um, the score. But a lot of times with compilations and CDs, and 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 hopefully you'll understand where I'm coming from, um, you'll put a CD in, and there's nobody that sits there and tells you what it's from, unlike your podcast, which does, which I enjoy. Mm-hmm. So I'll have a CD in of compilations, and they'll be spitting out music, and I have no idea what it's from because you don't pick up the CD case and read the liner notes as you're driving down the road. You're just right. along for the ride. So it wasn't until she shows me this movie and I go, I, I know that music. I know that music from something. And lo and behold, it's all, it's from one of my trusted CD sources, my old buddies in movie scores, um, Hollywood 96, uh, the very same CD that uh, um, that I brought up when you had your first all request show um, for Patreon members. And, and I uh, asked if you would please play uh, um, the uh, the theme from um, you know, what was it? I, I'm slipping my mind right now. It was, uh, was it uh, Emma. It, yeah, it was Emma. Yeah, it was uh, Rachel Portman. That's right. Um, just uh, you know, this was was, was right. I think it was. Uh, I think it was. Uh, who who did it? Who did Flipper? Was it Joel McNeely? Yeah, Joel McNeely. Joel, it was it was Flipper, and then it was um, Emma, and then it was Tin Cup, and boy, I, it was just a boom, boom, boom uh, yeah. of, of music. So when it came to sports music, I I have to circle back, and I have to put um, the, the theme from Tin Cup. Uh, uh, on this from that uh, Hollywood 96 CD because it only makes sense, you know, from a romantic perspective to to circle back. And, you know, they say you can always go home. The interesting part about this piece of music is it's a great piece of music. But up until this this cue, the guy's losing his mind. Mm-hmm. He's trying he's trying to get on the on, on, on the green on one swing while everybody else lays up and he ends up throwing the, the whole the whole match the whole game because he's bound to determine he's cruising along. He's got this in his back pocket. All he needs to do is, 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 is hit it short. And then from there, take it onto the green, which is, which is an Island basically uh, in the middle of this Lake. Um, and he decides he's going to go for it because that's who he is. That's, that's the right. character that he plays. That's, that's what, who Kevin Costner plays in this movie. It's all or nothing. He's crazy. You know, he'll, he'll, he'll take a bet and say, you can't play nine holes with a shovel. And it, it's maybe not like that, <laughs> but it's very similar to that in this movie. Yeah. It's, it's, it's great. He does a great job of it. He's, he, you know, it's all about him. It's all about his game. It's all about how he wants to do it on his terms. And evidently he does throw this, 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 this match. He throws the game. It's now he's onto his seventh, eighth. He's onto his last ball. And uh, from what I understand in golf, when you're out of balls, you're done. Mm-hmm. You don't get another handful of balls. You don't get to buy a free one. When you're done, you're done. Cheech Marin plays his caddy, and and, and Cheech Marin is up beside himself because you just threw this match because you're a hothead because you're 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 crazy. You're you're, you're a rogue. And he hands him the last ball. And that's where this cue comes into play because on that last ball, he finally hits it on the green. And if I remember correctly, I'm embarrassed to say, does, is it not a hole-in-one? Uh, he gets it in the hole, I, yeah. I believe it's a hole-in-one. So after all that, it's the, it's the greatest part of the movie. It's the, it's the greatest piece of music in the movie. But at what cost? Mm-hmm. But, but a great movie. 
Yeah, and 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 I actually like the fact that the the film doesn't portray Kevin Costner's character because that's exactly what he would do. Um, I mean, he doesn't yeah. he doesn't necessarily learn his lesson, and and you know he he could see the championship in his eye, and and but he would rather be remembered for I think the greatest what they call it the greatest twelve in the history of golf than mm-hmm. having hoisted this trophy because he made the shot that he wanted to make. And um, I mean, it's it's a it's a bit odd. Um, I, I'm sure everybody's you know would still be if this was true, if it ever happened. I mean, would be rather shocked. But um, but it's a it's a it's a weirdly triumphant moment for a guy who blew his chance to win a, a major tournament, and 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 ha- this being his only uh, chance of, of 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 winning a major tournament. But um, but like I said, that the music itself. Um, again, I, I never, I remember seeing this film and not knowing, uh, who was scoring it or what it was going to be like. And it's got two different tones, but once you get to the U S open, man, is William Ross just absolutely piling it on. He's got a massive orchestra just playing some of the most rousing sports music you'll ever hear. And I thought, Oh my God, I have got to get this score when I, when I'm done. And of course it was, it was never released with the exception of it coming out on a, on a promo. But as you said, it was released on these, this fantastic, um, series of, well, and this was the last one that, that, um, Verez would do. Verez was doing these Hollywood series for, for three years. And if you could ever find them, they contain some of the finest film music re-recordings you'll ever hear. So it's Hollywood 94, Hollywood 95, Hollywood 96, and they tried to do it again um, in 1999 after The Phantom Menace came out. Um, and they have a bunch of uh, new recordings of, I think it's The Mummy, The Phantom Menace Suite, um, a couple of other uh, tracks along with uh, original recordings as well. But it, it they used to do these yearly roundups, but with new recordings and always fascinating to to hear them. And they would release albums like this that had cues on it from scores that weren't commercially released. I mean, another gem on this 96 album is music from Phenomenon, which has never been commercially released. But I mean, it's, yeah, if you get a chance, check them out. But um, but yeah, Tin Cup is, um, it's a special movie. It's a different movie. It's got some interesting characters and it, it, it takes a twist that you, I don't think necessarily expected it to go. I, I can always appreciate a piece of music also, Eric, that, uh, you know, it remembers its roots. And, and when I say that, um, I like the cue towards the end of this piece of music um, or the leitmotif, mind you, of mm-hmm. of, of, of um, uh, Amarillo, Texas. I believe um, he's a uh, he owns a, a, a driving range yes. and he's a quote unquote golf pro. That's and right. there's there's definitely some 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 um, Mexican type um, romantic themes to the mm-hmm. music and towards the end of this piece of music you you kind of hear it go back into that again and and, and 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 it's rewarding because I saw the movie I know where it's coming from I know what they're trying to relate to and, and I, I appreciate that I feel like I'm being rewarded absolutely so here now is uh, the final cue from Tin Cup and on the original soundtrack it's actually called Master of the Game um, I'm not 100% sure what it's called on Hollywood 96. Do they call it the theme from Tin it's Cup? It's just the theme. Okay. Yeah, it's just the theme from Tin Cup, yep. 
But yeah, it's it's the actual finale cue from the from the score. It's it's fantastic, great choice. Thanks for bringing it to the program. This is Tin Cup, written by the underrated William Ross.
This is Cinematic Sound Radio, the flagship show. I'm Eric Woods, and our guest today is Joe Wiles. He's brought along some fantastic cues and themes and melodies from sports films. And the reason he got to do that was he signed up to become a Patreon member, a Cinematic Sound patron. And he signed up for the the highest tier, and uh, that is a limited tier. And uh, we're going to have to discuss uh, off the air whether we open it up to more people or not. Um, but it was a very popular tier. It went like that once uh, the, the Patreon uh, was first published. So it's great to have you um, on the show. It's, it's great to finally talk to you. I mean, that, that original email you sent me when uh, we were doing the first all request show, I was outside on my porch and I was reading it and I said to my wife who was uh, with me, we're enjoying our morning coffee. I said, you have to read this. This is... These types of emails are the reason why I do this show, because it's just great to hear, you know, where somebody had listened to my show for the first time or where they're from and and, and why they enjoy film music. So um, it, it was just absolutely fantastic to, uh, to finally get a chance to to talk to you here on the show tonight. Absolutely. You know, you're a genuine uh, uh, person, Erica, and I've been listening to you since you've done your podcast, and I know you have a uh, a, a very positive and successful career um, prior to doing podcasts. And, uh, you know, you, you're human and, and you're honest with your listeners and you and you you tell the story from the heart. You do the research, you you respect your your listeners, you respect the pieces of music uh, um, and, you're, and you're a genuine person and your listeners and myself included appreciate the time and they appreciate the sacrifice that you do and and you know i don't have time to go dig all these pieces of music up and half of them i would never hear it before <laughs> um but i but there we all find value uh in what you do and and we're all better for it um because of uh, of our love for movie scores or movies or pieces of music or whatever brings for whatever reason brings these people uh to towards your show and i'm not you know you're not doing this to sell t-shirts it's it's obvious like i said before you're genuine and and that's why it was such an easy decision for me to do what I did um, for years and years and years where I have taken and taken and taken from you. Um, the least I could do was give back. And and people, you know, it's very simple, you know, in, in Field of Dreams, people will come, Eric, people will come. Uh, and, and you've never wavered for what you do and how you do it. Um, it's comforting to me. I know exactly what I'm going to get from one of your programs. And that includes um, the other programs that you have in in your uh, in your stable of artists. Uh you know, I, I listen to and I'll dab into in a couple of them too. I come back mainly for the flagship show. Um, that's that's home to me. That's 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 comforting to me. I know what I'm going to get myself into. Um, but the fact that you uh, make yourself available, make make your successes available to other people, and give other people voices and, and opportunities and time uh, again, and I'll say it again, it's a genuine thing that you do, and um, it's I think I speak for all of the Patreon members where it's the least we can do to show a little appreciation and make things a little bit more worth your while and uh, make the sacrifice uh, real. Uh, Joe, that just means the the absolute world to me. And I, I really do appreciate your, your support and, and, and just sticking with me for, for all of these years and, 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 and wanting to kind of help me out a, a bit every month. But thank you very much for saying what you did. Um, I was going to go into a long ramble, but yeah, that really means uh, it really means the world to me. Um, yeah, you you need to hear it. You, I I don't know that uh, how often you get to hear that, but uh, at least I said I, I, coming coming from me, uh, you know my my 
it's genuine you know it's genuine appreciation and uh it's the least i can do so thank you yeah and i find it so like i found it so odd it, it took me forever to to kind of hit the publish button on the patreon because i mean i don't i'm not like hey i'm begging you guys for for money but i just remember and i'm not even sure i mean it might have been you or there was a couple other people like you know how can we donate something to you how can we do this and i'm like you don't have to um but but then I was like, yeah, we really, we really, really want to. And it's, it, it's just me kind of, you know, getting around my whole mindset of like, why? And, but I guess it's like, it's the same thing where it's like, why would anybody pay like somebody to, to play video games and let them just watch it on YouTube? You know what I mean? But people spend thousands and thousands of dollars to watch people play video games. So, you know, it's the same thing. I mean, and you guys are getting enjoyment out of it. And, but I'm glad that, you know, I'm able to offer, you know, this sort of thing. Uh, to you guys. And I wish I could offer to, to everybody else. Um, and who knows, maybe, I mean, and that was the thing I was going to talk to you about was, I mean, I know this was, a, a an exclusive tier here and there was only two spots, but, um, and I'm going to talk to, uh, William as well about it, but if you are okay with me opening it up to see if anybody else wants to jump on this, I mean, you guys will still get, you know, your rewards and whatever, but I mean, if you are against it, then, then let me know because this is supposed to be like your thing. So, no, I, I don't, I don't, you know, the, the more the merrier, uh, I, you know, I, I often think about, do I want to give somebody else a chance? And at the same time too, I'm thinking, no, I'm fine for a while. <laughs> Let me do this for a while. I, yeah. you know, I'm not, I'm not done. Um, I'm tooting the horn yet or, or whatever. I, I enjoy it. This is working out really good. I'm, good. I'm, I'm comfortable uh, with, with doing this and uh, yeah, it's only going to benefit you in the long run. You know what your costs are. You, sure. you know, I don't, you're not adding on to your house for crying out loud, Eric. I, I, I know, I, I know a lot about you. You don't know anything about me, but I know a lot about you and I'm a pretty good judge of character. Um, you're looking to cover your cost and, and, and make it, make it worth your time. Uh, you have a vast amount of knowledge and you want to share that and we're all appreciative for it. So if you think that there is an avenue for some more on that tier or whatever, you know, you know, go for it by all means. Yeah. I mean, I just don't know who, if anybody was interested, but they might hear this show and go, yeah, absolutely. Because after that first all request show, two people jumped up to the higher tier so they can get involved. Um, so I'm like, Oh, that's pretty cool. Um, so yeah, I mean, and we're going to do this again. Um, absolutely. But one thing I was going to say though, was, um, man, you are, you're so well-spoken and, and listening to this, I was like, I, I would listen to an entire show of you just doing whatever you wanted to do. I mean, I'm really, you're really, you're really, really good at this. And, uh, and some people aren't, um, but man, you know how to speak music and talk your feelings and, and it's, uh, yeah, I, I hope we get to, I mean, we are going to do this again. Um, but wow. I, fi I figured out the topic on the way home today from work. I was oh, like, yeah, oh, was I got it? it all figured out. Oh yeah. I got, it, I got it all figured out. We are going to do flight. Oh, you're so oh, awesome. 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 That's going to be great. Awesome. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. And, 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 and real quick, I'm sorry, real quick. And, and the reason why we're doing flight is because the one piece I almost picked for the first all request show was another movie that I bumped into in the middle of the night was a nice piece of music from the movie called the boy who could fly. Yep. Yeah. That's, oh my God. So good. And have you, have you heard, um, like which album do you have of, uh, the boy who could fly? I have one of the, like I said, I get confused sometimes. It's either Entrada or La La Land or, or whatever. There was whatever they put out. I, I bought it off eBay, but it was a, it was a repro it was a re-recording or a remaster. Oh, so you, ha okay. So, because there was, there's a version which has the original soundtrack, um, which is the, you know, the original cues in the movie, but then Broughton went to London 
and recorded an entirely different album with different orchestrations and whatnot. So that amazing flying cue um, is, it's not vastly different, but it's different enough that it'd be, it's interesting to hear the two cues um, back to back because it, it's sort of like what Williams did with E.T., right? Recorded an entire album that was, you know, none of it was the original cues with, except for the, the final track. Um, so I don't know, I don't know whether Intrada released one that had both the album and the actual soundtracks, but, um, I know Verez had the original soundtracks. They did an encore series of that, but anyway, it's, uh, it's, it'd be, it's interesting to listen to the concert version of it, if you will. Um, but you're right. Yeah. The Broughton stuff is like, even like, you know, Cody's flight from, uh, from rescuers down under, man, I showed that to my daughter the other day. She's uh, oh, great. getting into on animation. Mm-hmm. And I said, I mean, if you want to get into animation, this is one scene you've got to see. Sure, she was absolutely. just transfixed for six minutes. Just like, what is this? Yep. So um, anyway. Wonderful. Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, okay. So uh, sadly, we've uh, come to the end of today's program. I think you and I could probably talk for another uh, few hours. But um, I think in about six months from now, we'll talk again and we'll do another show. Um, and I'm really, 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 really looking forward to that, but I'm also really looking forward to, uh, your requests for the, uh, the rest of the request shows up until that time, but we are going to end the program with, uh, with a unique selection. So I'm going to let you, uh, introduce the last track on today's program. You know, um, my heart will always be with John Williams. John Williams always, uh, will, will be the, the, the conductor or the theme of my life, uh, my, my accomplishments and, and my challenges and, and uh, all the different points, uh, John Williams is 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 rided, has been ridden shotgun with me, and, and uh, it will always be uh, apparent to me. And and he was a, a a father figure to me, and and always knew exactly what to say without saying a word. And uh, I can't possibly, Eric, come to you with a list of sports music uh, from sports films um, without in, in incorporating John Williams. Now, aside from his themes from Monday Night Football. Uh, you know, he has dabbled in it. Uh, Kobe Bryant's uh, uh, movie he did about basketball, um, but John Williams scored. Um, Kobe was a smart guy, but he lamented when he picked John Williams to, to, to do the theme for his movie. Uh, I'm not that familiar with it. I've heard it, but it, it doesn't really hold, hold a special place in my heart. However, my wife and I, and I, and I reference my wife a lot because she's my best friend and, and she's, my, uh, she's my buddy. And, uh, you know, things that she enjoys, I enjoy, too. And, and likewise, I think sometimes she comes a little bit further on my side than I come on hers. But um, we all have areas for improvement. Um, but we always enjoyed and she was a reader and she read all the Harry Potter movies. Um, Eric, I or, or Harry Potter books, excuse me. I, I, I would be uh, remiss if I did not include um, the one piece of sports music. Um, that I could think of that John Williams did other than uh, from Prisoner of Azkaban, um, the Quidditch third year um, piece of music. Uh, I remember getting this CD. I remember being at work. I remember buying the CD. I remember going out to my car. I knew it was Williams's last turn uh, with a Potter movie. I, I anticipated this soundtrack as if it was a Star Wars soundtrack. Um, and I remember uh, getting to this cue and I hadn't seen the movie yet. Um, but I had the, the music and I knew that it was uh, storming. I knew that it was raining. Uh, I knew that it was stressful. I knew it was fast paced. I knew that it was dangerous. Um, all these things uh, he describes very well with, again, without saying a word in this piece of music.
Yeah, it was an interesting um, selection that you made here because it's from imaginary sport. It doesn't even exist. Um, yeah, you know, it's because, I mean, th- people are thinking, oh, my God, you brought a John Williams cue. And I'm sure there's some people out there going, hmm, is it the football game cue from John Goldfarb or is it the football game cue from Sleepers? Um, could it be any of the baseball cues from from Hook or what? What about Black Sunday? <laughs> that yeah, would have yeah, been no, crazy. You're, you know what? You're you're absolutely right. But but those all those pieces of music are great, but uh, they're not uh, personal to me. And, 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 and they exactly, make the list. Yeah. yeah. And and I remember hearing Prisoner of Azkaban for the first time, and actually I streamed it for the first time. Um, you know, doing some editing uh, when I was working in Toronto, and I was listening to it, and I'm like, this is different. I mean, we were so used to hearing, um, you know, a particular sound for for Quidditch in the first two films, but this one was darker and it also went back to a more thematic or melodic style of writing action for John Williams, which is something that he was abandoning around this time. A lot of the action material that he wrote was more uh, rhythmic. So, you know, when I'm talking about, uh, you know, thematic or melodic, you know, you're thinking about like, um, you know, the, the asteroid field or some of the Ewok music that, you know, he wrote for uh, Return of the Jedi. So they all had, you know, distinct melodies. And but he incorporated this brand new melody that we had never heard before in this Quidditch cue. And as I said, it's very, very dark. And I, and I, I had no idea what I was expecting until I, and I saw the scene and it's just I mean, they're playing Quidditch in the, this lightning storm. It's dark. It's crazy, and it's and it's fitting. Um, and interestingly enough, uh, the the theme would come up again in what did Desplot reprise yeah. it in one of his Absolutely. scores, which I yep. thought out of all the Quidditch stuff, I mean, it's amazing that he went back to Prisoner of Azkaban. But yeah, it's um, you know Azkaban just blew me away, and I'm like, how how in the world could he top the first two? And he just absolutely knocked it out of the park with uh, he did with a Prisoner. he did a really. Yeah, he did a really good job of um, what they tried to do by getting a new director for the third film um, was, uh, you know, the kids are growing up and, and therefore the music should as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, a masterwork by by John Williams. And it's it's great that you uh, uh, brought it here on the program. So uh, before we get to this uh, last cue, is there anything else that uh, you would like to add? Joe, do you want to, you know, sell something or let us know what you're doing or whatever? Here's your chance. I got nothing, Eric. Uh, I, 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 I'm I'm here purely for uh, my appreciation of music. Uh, I have my career. Um, my career and my music are separate. A lot of times, my career makes me want to go to my music to uh, relieve stress or go to my happy place. Uh, I got nothing to to sell, um, other than uh, just uh, again, uh, uh, just to sh- share my appreciation for this for this music, um, for these wonderful composers, these fantastic movies that. Uh, have been a part of my life uh, and I'm just happy to uh, be able to share them here and and thankful for you to give me the platform to do so. Well, I mean, it was an absolute honor to uh, talk with you tonight and I'm glad we were able to do so. And, you know, just getting a chance to finally get to know you since you know so much about me Um, and you brought some fantastic uh, music with you and uh, you know, these, these two shows, um, yeah, I'm going to go down as, you know, some of the best I think that I've ever done. And these, these Patreon shows have been eye-opening. They're fantastic. They're, they're sending me down a road I never thought I'd, I'd go. And, and I'm having 
I'm having a lot of fun again. I mean, it's not like I don't have fun with these shows, but it's just, you know, getting to experience uh, my listeners and my fans and, and, and hearing the personal stories and, and getting to hear some music that I might not have heard before or just listening to your explanation as to why you've brought uh, pieces here on, on the show. It's, it's been enlightening and I'm just so happy that, uh, that we got a chance to do this. Yeah. Um, like I've, uh, referenced before in my email when we, we originally had correspondence, uh, you know, we are a family, the cinematic sound, uh, uh radio family. Uh, I, we all have a common, uh, interest, um, but we all come from uh, many, many different parts and different paths. And, uh, uh, again, you know, thank you. And, uh, the pleasure has really been mine. And, uh, I look forward to, to hearing, uh, who's next and, uh, you never know what they're going to, what they're going to, um, choose and, and, and why they're choosing it. It's, it's a great, uh, sentiment and it's a, it's a great story. Yeah. You said the, the right word. It, it, it is a family and I consider it a family. So if you are not part of the family and you want to join the cinematic sound radio, Patreon family, then please head over to patreon.com slash cinematic sound radio, pick a tier, uh, join the club and, uh, have some fun. And, uh, you know, maybe we'll open up, uh, you know, this, this, this rather large tier that you're now a part of, uh, Joe to, to a couple of other people so that, Maybe you can have an opportunity to come on and, and speak with me and uh, and play some of your favorite music on the show. Well, to end off today's program, we're going to play music from Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. This is a fantastic action, action cue called Quidditch Third Year, and it was composed and conducted by the great John Williams. That'll do it for today. Until next time, folks, take care wherever you are in this world. And happy listening.
Thank you for tuning in to the Cinematic Sound Radio Network. I want to thank Tim Burton for providing his voice for all the bumpers and stingers you hear throughout the show, and to David Casina for providing Cinematic Sound Radio's intro music. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, please email us at cinematicsound at yahoo.com. You can find us on social media at Sound Radio on Twitter, at Cinematic Sound on Facebook, and from wherever you're listening to us today, please leave us a five-star rating and a positive review. Reviews help introduce potential new listeners to the show. While you're at it, head over to TeePublic to find yourself a Cinematic Sound Radio t-shirt and support us on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash cinematicsoundradio. And don't forget to check out Cinematic Sound Radio at cinematicsound.net. <laughs>